Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we've got 10 games here on a Friday night slate to choose from. In this one, we are going to be taking a look at uh, the Suns. They are playing in Sacramento against the Kings at the Golden One Center. Uh, we got another game video up for you and our player props. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with everything we're bringing you this season. Also head to thelines.com if you want to check out everything we're bringing you guys in written form there up on the site for the NBA this season. Uh, also have an odds finder tool up there. Nate and I are using that every day. Make sure we're getting the best odds available to us across all these U.S. sports books that are giving us bets this season. Nate, let's jump through this 10-game slate and then talk about this Kings and Suns game. Yeah, the Celtics coming off a smackdown in Sacramento are back home. They're minus 11 and a half against the Pacers with Halliburton probably out again. Uh, Spurs are plus seven at the Wizards, and uh, they are expecting to play some guys, including Keldon Johnson, Zach Collins. Uh, Pistons are plus 12 and a half in Toronto. Rockets are plus 12 and a half in Memphis. Immediate rematch there. Hornets are plus 13 in Dallas. Sensing a theme here with teams not trying to win. Bucks are minus eight at the Jazz, where I've already ruled out, I believe, four key players. So that's trouble. Uh, Bulls, if we break this game down for you, are minus two in Portland. The Warriors are plus five at, at, at I mean, excuse me, the Sixers are plus five at the Warriors. Um, Embiid and Harden are both questionable, but Embiid's pretty close to probable. And then the pesky Thunder. Plus five and a half on a back-to-back in L.A. They'll get the Lakers. The Suns are plus four and a half or four, depending where you get it here on opening lines. At Sacramento, uh, Suns having just gotten, um, you know, exactly what we expected to happen, basically, at the Lakers, which is just a lack of depth and a lack of interior presence without DeAndre Ayton dooming them uh, against the Lakers team that continues to play well-rounded team ball. And now you get Sacramento, which is like the exemplary team offense uh, of the NBA this year. Number one in rating, um, number one in the clutch uh, as well. Um, and, and just the depth. I mean, it's not just De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, and you need to look no further than their last trip to Phoenix 12 days ago when they got 65 bench points for a 128-119 win. That's with De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis both having under 18 points. Fox shooting just 8 for 22 from the floor. That's with DeAndre Ayton giving the Suns 22 and 12. Um, and we've talked about uh, with, without Ayton now, they've, they've lost five of their last seven road games. Uh, they've struggled defensively. They've gone over in eight of their last nine without him. Uh, they got outscored badly in the paint against OKC and allowed 32 free throws to an OKC team that doesn't get to the line. The biggest issue right now with their defense uh, since the trade and then since losing Durant, who's supposed to make up for a lot of these depth issues, uh, they their defense has just really struggled. Uh, but the biggest issue is the fast break points and the points off turnovers, which is exactly what you look for if you want to take Sacramento. And, and you got Sacramento in this bounce back spot after their worst home loss of the season, um, which came on a back to back to Boston. It just kind of a really exhausting point in their schedule, right? They had that four-game roadie come home on a back-to-back. They have to play a Celtics team that's looking to get right and just clicks. And now they get a, a you know a normal rest against the Suns team that just doesn't have depth uh, beyond Devin Booker. We talked about their bench points right now. They're twentieth in that and twenty-fifth in efficiency and bench points uh, since the trade here. 
But we are looking at a big game from Booker uh, because he's done everything he can to, to pick up the slack for KD since the injury. Now 37 points per game in his last five against the Western Conference and shooting 65% from the floor. He's averaging 34 a game in his last four against the Kings, shooting 60%. They don't have anybody to stop him. So I think you got to lean over here. I mean, Kings at home, what, what more do you need to say? Uh, and, and the Suns have gone over now in five, in five of the last six. Um, and yeah, I, if these two teams hit 247 in Phoenix, where the Suns tend to play much better defense, if you look at the sample of the entire season and the Kings tend to score less on the road. Now we're back home in in, in Sacramento I think you'd take the over anywhere, 242 or lower. Um, I'd, I'd be good with that. Yeah, I mean, the Kings or the, the Suns aren't playing defense, and they're playing fast. They're playing fast as hell. They're, they're playing the third fastest pace since they lost KD, uh, and he went down. And, I mean, do what you will with that. DA is not in there either. DeAndre Ayton hasn't been in there for just the last two. But it's been before that that they were just playing with that pace. Because, honestly, like, DeAndre Ayton is like – a stretch big in a, the sense that he like, I don't He's not going to stretch all the way out to the three point line necessarily, but he's like going to stretch from like five feet to 12 feet. That's where he lives. He's not really getting any closer to the basket than that. And so he's, he runs the floor well and he's a good athlete. My, my main point here is there's nothing that slows them down. Even Bismack Biombo being their center for the last few games hasn't slowed down their pace because I think also they just can't play defense, man. And then they're, they're giving up those fast break points um, and they're, they're not getting back there. I mean, Terrence Ross is getting minutes. Like this is just not, this is not your older brother's son's team from like a season and a half ago where they just had a, a litany of wing players that, that could do everything around their two stars in, in Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker. And Chris Paul just is not, we talked about the other day, he's just not going to be it in terms of being able to like carry your offense scoring wise the way that he used to be able to and getting in the mid to high 20s from him is just not uh, something you should be expecting at this point still gonna be points and there's gonna be pace and like I said there's gonna be guys like Torrey Craig and Terrence Ross and um, you know the other random wing players that they have right now that is actually pretty slim as we talk about which is why their bench is so bad but even their bench is example is exemplifying this type of style of play where their defensive rating is like the fourth worst in, in the last seven games uh, since, since they lost KD, they're still scoring plenty because they're still also playing at like an 104 pace uh, in the minutes that they get in there. So like points. Yeah. Like do, do the, do the, the odds makers have the, the, the chutzpah to put a 249 and a half point total out there for people to bet on over or under on because the the Kings games, you know, at home at, just in the month of month of March are averaging 249 points. They're losing uh, 123 to 126 on average. So like you got like if you're a, a, an odds maker, do you not start there as as a starting point for like, well, what's normally happening happening in these games when the Kings play at home over a six game sample size since March started? Like, and, and even before that, right? We know um, they've been playing a little bit better defense before this month started, where they're just absolutely terrible and have the second worst defensive rating, up around 126 and a half uh, defensive rating in their last uh, six at home. Like, th they were a little bit better, so their games were averaging like a, a few less points because they weren't giving up 126 they were giving up like 121 or 120 um which is low 240 so i i would still take them because if, if that's the type of game that the suns want to play the kings do it better the kings do it way better and they have way more people to last which is also another reason that they can 
be so good at the end of games and not be super tired because they do have uh, enough enough depth to be able to continue the, the, the style of play and get the points up that they need to outscore the other team, um, which I know Mike Brown probably still hates every night as a defensive coach, but like has just leaned in and, and that's what they're going to continue to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you talk about not playing defense. That's been the Kings MO for a couple months now. Um, and not being good in defense in the clutch either, where they just, I did say they're the number one clutch offense, but 27th at home uh, in defensive rating and actually only 10 and 10 in clutch games at home. So it's not necessarily like put it in the bank, <clears throat> even though De'Aaron Fox is the number one scorer in that situation. But the thing is, the Suns have been much, much worse. And, and, and if this is a close game, they're four and 11 on the road in clutch games and they, and they have the uh, eighth worst net rating on the road in that situation, also a bad defense. So it's another thing in, in favor of the over here, uh, but really just in favor of sack winning a close game. If it does come down to that, I think what I'm most interested here is, is the money line or a tease to get that, that total a little bit lower uh, to get the, the Kings at, at even if you're minus four and a half, you get that down a little bit. Uh, they just, yeah, they're just a team that doesn't usually lapse as we talked about until we called that kind of trap game against Utah. And then, and then it's just a case of short rest against a, a powerhouse Celtics team. And otherwise they've just been very trustworthy, especially at home. And I'm not trusting the Suns right now without eight. And like, they, it's just so tentative if they lose one guy out of the three that are remaining. I mean, now they're missing two of their big four. And it was always a question of, well, who's their fifth guy? And now, now we're like, who's who's the other three guys that are going to fit in around Booker and Monty Williams trying to figure it out on the fly and get these rotations in, in order. And it's just uh, going to be tough against a Kings team that has the most continuity of any team in the West right now. Hundred percent, yeah. And and I am a little bit worried about the Kings because like the way we talk about the Kings and everybody does right now is still with the level of disrespect um, from the standpoint of like. Ah, you're not, you're, you're adorable the way you're winning here and scoring so many points. And this is fun to watch. But as soon as you get to the second round of the playoffs, like, I don't know, we could see you losing in the first round of the playoffs, to be honest. If you're to play like the Clippers, even if they don't have Paul George, like, I don't know, Kawhi's about to handle things right now as he's doing, as we're recording this against the Thunder, proving to everybody that maybe he doesn't even need Paul George. But my main point here is like, like, that's not fair. Like they're still a better team than this. And that's why like these thoughts start to creep in after they lose two games in a row and thoughts start to creep in where it's like, Oh, they just lost to the Celtics and they were at home and they should have won that game at home because they were at home. And it's like, well, let's relax. Boston's very, 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 very good. Um, and so, you know, th that was another game that was like, okay, it was a letdown versus Utah. They wanted to, to win against the Celtics, but it was a second night of a back to back and, you know, coming back home after a long road trip, whatever. Um, the main point here though, is, I should have mentioned this earlier while I was trying to think of guys who are filling in for the Suns, and I'm going, uh, Tory Craig, I can't even remember who. It's like, well, it, it's because it's Josh Okoji, uh, and it's Landry Shamit, and, and those are their other two guys. And I mentioned Terrence Ross, but like, those are the other two guys giving you minutes. And, and Josh Okoji, God bless him, is super athletic, but just there's a reason that like he just keeps playing on different teams and like isn't it, despite the fact that he walks in looking like Tarzan and doesn't matter necessarily. So the, the defense has just taken a huge shot. Um, and then Landry Shamit, like also God bless him, 
great shooter. It's just it's not it. It's not going to be it on defense either. So they don't have enough to fill in around those guys. Once again, resembling almost the Lakers team after they lost all their wings that you're just like, well, now it's just a hollow team with two guys that are really good at basketball. But that's there's five guys on the court at once. So um, that's, you know, all, all five guys for for this Kings team right now, are, especially in that starting lineup, are, are going to be really good and, and probably feast on this uh, Suns team on the offensive side of the ball. So, yeah, I mean, the, this is a really interesting game to talk about because I mean, Portland, you said tanking or, you know, kind of shifting priorities to a degree. I mean, Anthony Simons has been ineffective and injured for the last few weeks. And so it's time to sit him down and see what you have in Shaden Sharp, apparently, um, who really, you know, thrived alongside Dane Lillard, broke their six game losing streak with a nice 23 point effort there, played 40 minutes and was a plus 28. And, you know, Jeremy Grant. Also hobbled. Uh, I, I mean, I have no idea the extent, the actual extent of these injuries, but it's just like a chance like Trenton Watford, you know, see what you can do. And his last four, he's been very efficient, very effective. They still allow uh, 120 points per game in this last seven stretch here. Um, and they really struggle defensively in a number of areas, which makes me, you know, certainly want to say the Bulls are going to be able to beat them. I mean, that performance from Sharp and breaking the win, breaking the streak came against a Utah team that I just mentioned it, 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 sitting all their best players as well. So the biggest thing is when you talk about Portland is who's going to be able to guard Dame. And, and while Caruso's questionable for the Bulls, we know Pat Beverly's in. Um, and if Caruso plays too, that's, that's certainly going to be two guys you can throw at him, throw in the kitchen sink here. Dame did drop 40 when these teams played uh, in February, but that was with no Caruso. He shot over over 50%. Last time he – yeah. And, and then he faced the Bulls in 2021 with Caruso on him, scored 22 on 33% shooting. Uh, versus the last time he faced Pat Bev in the Lakers, 24 points on 30% shooting. Last four versus a team with Pat Bev on it, 25 points on 37% shooting, minus 32 uh, rating there. Uh, so, I mean, if game's not going to be Superman, then you got to worry about Portland. I mean, you need both him to do that and you need these young guys to continue to play ahead of their skis, so to speak. And just in terms of just like, yeah, Portland saying, what, what, what do we have here? And that, that's the one thing that gives me pause to not like bet heavy along with the fact that DeMar DeRozan's questionable. And mm-hmm. I, I would not bet on the bulls without him. They need to all, all three of their guys. Uh, but it just gives me a little pause to say, like, maybe the Blazers, they're not just playing for the play-in spot, which they don't think they're going to get here. They're sort of auditioning to continue to to have Damian Lillard in their uniform, right? These young guys are like, yeah, no, look, see, we, we're rebuilding quicker. You know, we have something here. Um, I mean, the fact that he's been paired with Simons for most of the year and it just hasn't worked, it's been even, it's been far less effective than it was with CJ McCollum because you have two small guards and and so it's like, well, maybe if we get this big this big wing, you know, see what you have with this rookie, you know, maybe there is a future here because all comments recently about, you know, I'm not chasing rings, but also like, what the hell is this rebuilding shit? Like, yet you traded Josh Hart, and uh, you know now we have absolutely no defense, and we've been you know a doormat. But I think we can continue to to attack them at basically no spread here, um, even if DeRozan is out. Levine did torch them last time. Levine is on a heater, and. Um, I mean, the Bulls, they've been hanging their hat on defense, right? Last four roadies, one all four with a 107 defensive rating. 
also gone under at 11 of 15 roadies. And the Blazers are, are going under at a pretty high clip against the East. Also just lost 14 of the last 18 against the East. So uh, I'd lean a little bit towards defense carrying the Bulls here and, and, and getting them to win. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I I don't the it's funny because like the 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 Jazz kind of resemble the Blazers in some ways in the sense of like like Danny Ainge is like kind of trying to tank, but then but then he'll randomly allow like Laurie to play or not even like Akbaji will just go off and he'll just kind of be like no 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 just kidding come back never mind back to the bench back to the bench and Portland is the same weird back and forth of like we're trying to win and we're gonna trade Josh Hart for Cam Reddish to prove to you that we're trying to win. And also now we have Matisse Thibel who couldn't find five minutes a game on the Sixers, but like we'll take him because maybe he'll make a shot on our team when not the case. So like, it's very confusing. Dame is pissed because he's like, I'm not here for a rebuild. Like I, I I'm showing you guys loyalty through the lens of, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours and give me somebody to play with. And I don't have anybody to play with. And you're not even playing the guys that I, that I have in Jeremy Grant and, and such at this point, who who also might not be here pretty soon for them uh, in, in the offseason. But uh, at this point, like, yes, there's some nice young guys out there. But like, if you look at the uh, the rosters, let's say DDR, let's say DeMar doesn't play. Just which seven guys do you like more still to, at that point, it, it, even if Caruso doesn't play? And at least you have a Pat Bev who's an NBA veteran that you trust on a basketball court as much as you can trust Pat Bev. Uh, but, you know, I'm also looking at the defense of those young guys who have been getting minutes. And I, I don't want to touch a total necessarily. I still think you go Bulls uh, at, at a very small spread on this one as we record on a, a Thursday night to try to get ahead of some of this stuff, right? Catch some of these early lines. Um, and it, the defense for Portland though is just bad. And, and to be honest, like as far as the total goes, the defense for Chicago stopping what Portland's going to do isn't great either. They are giving up a lot of threes uh, since March started. They've been giving up, I believe the fifth most three pointers to their opponent um, and, and a really high clip as well. You know, they're getting a lot of attempts and they're getting a lot of makes uh, as well against the, the, the bulls. Maybe Pat Bev stops a lot of that. I mean, Dame's going to, probably still get his you can only guard somebody from 35 feet so well uh right and and that's where dame's been pulling from still at this point and and pulling a lot so you know there i'm never going to take an under on that but it's just him alone and his ability to beat a utah team that like i said as soon as they they won a game uh against the kings that maybe they shouldn't have danny angel's like all right everybody back to the bench uh we're not doing this even if i i'll put laurie out there and make you think that i'm trying because he's going to drop 38 uh marking and will but like nobody else is going to get 12 points so that'll be fine right nobody tanks like danny He's so good at it. Uh, but at any rate, they're also, you know, Portland giving up like 120 points in those seven games. They're allowing, you know, they're also allowing their, their own uh, three-pointers a lot. It doesn't matter against Chicago, who's right back to scoring like 10 a game. The thing that does matter is Portland allows a ton of mid-range, and they allow it at a very high clip. And that's been going on for the last seven games as well, since they haven't had anybody and, and lost six of their last seven. Um, they're, they're giving up, like, the fourth highest field goal percentage from that, like, you know, 12 to, like, 17 feet. I mean, I have it right here. It's it's the exact numbers, whatever the feet exactly is. It's, like, uh, 
10 to 19. Thank you. Anything from 10 to 19, they're giving up a ton of a very high field goal percentage. And like, that's what we're talking about here with the Bulls. And if, if, if Zach Levine's going to be the focal point of the offense, then we're talking about a lot of threes. Uh, and Zach Levine's going to probably shoot close to 11 or 12 attempts in that case if DeMar is not around and, and probably have some pretty good looks. So I, I just like Chicago. It looks like a much better team right now, continues to win, even though they did get smacked by a really, really good 76ers team the other night. They're just way less crappy uh, than this Blazers team right now. Yeah, it's a Occam's razor explanation right there. I mean, yeah, the Blazers are not a good team. They've lost eight straight against teams in the playoffs, 10 straight if you count the Pelicans, which are games they need to win if they want to have any chance at the play-in. Their last three wins are against Orlando, Detroit, and Houston, uh, and, and, and Utah there being the latest ones. But, yeah, it was, again, Utah's bunch of rookies. And I don't think, you know, just to go on the side, I don't think it's like, necessarily Danny telling him who's going to sit and who's going to play. It's just that they, they all spiked like everything hit at the same time. Agbaji had an incredible game. They had seven guys in double figures. They popped up and beat the Kings. Uh, but yeah, Utah is not it in terms of like, Oh, look, let's see the Portland, the, the trailblazers are on track here. And they have this weird thing going against the East where they're just, yeah, like I said, four in 14 since January 6th, getting outscored by nine points per game. Against the East, they're 10 and 19 on the season. Uh, so, I mean, they do tend to go under here as underdogs at home versus like a much higher record as home favorites. And so they're slight favorite, uh, slight dogs here. They do also go under after a W because they can't string it together as much. And then I'm just really impressed by the Bulls. If you look at what they're doing cross conference, um, defensive ratings of 105, 102, and 112 against the team's that are in the top three in the West right now, Memphis, Denver, and SAC in a row beating two at, uh, or actually only beating Denver, but you know, still holding, you know, right there with Sacramento holding their own, uh, on the defensive end of the floor against the top rated deep offense in the league. So, yeah. uh, that is what I think I, I would lean towards in terms of their defense uh, yep, and, and leaning on that. Definitely. And, and winning in, Denver, when Jokic is playing, is worth two wins. So, yeah, they got two wins, essentially, because that was wildly impressive and one of the more surprising things that's happened this season. I, I would continue to bank on that and continue to bank on this defense. Like, we believe you now. You're, you're really, really good at defense, Chicago. You don't give up second chances. You get those defensive rebounds, um, and, and you close out, except for around the perimeter, it seems, as of late. So we'll see if the, the Blazers are able to get some threes up, but I think we would still lean slightly under. I think we expect this this uh, to, this point total here to, to probably open you know, around high 20, 220s, maybe low 230s at the highest, but probably closer to 220, you know, seven, eight, nine around there more than anything. And that that's probably fair, as Mo would say at that point. And, and I, either way, I would still be leaning Chicago as I think this this total will probably be properly uh, projected by the, the, the books here when we get it in a little bit. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust 
to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's jump into your first prop for the night. Yeah, it's a game we're going to talk about the Kings and the Suns and talk about the Suns' lack of depth um, and lack of scoring options outside of Devin Booker. So I'm going to hit his prop at 32 points. And I'm also going to take the over on two and a half turnovers, which is minus 150, because he's just going to have the ball in his hands an absurd amount of times, uh, you know, without KD and without DeAndre Ayton. Like, this is a holy shit split right here. His last three without Ayton, 45.7 points per game on 38% usage. No KD for any of those either. I mean, the last two with the injury um, and then the, the third previous with uh, before KD came on and, and Book dropped what, 56, shooting 63% from the floor. He does have four turnovers, more turnovers than assists. So I initially thought, like, let's tack on the assist because he's going to be playmaking, but it's just not happening. Like, there's just nobody else scoring for the Suns right now. The last five conference games since losing KD, Book is scoring 36 and a half, only three and a half assists, though. Uh, 33% usage, shooting 65% from the floor. Again, just absurd efficiency. And, you know, this is a matchup where he can continue to do that. The Kings are terrible against shooting guards, giving up the uh, fourth most points to them in the last 15. They're giving up the most assists overall in the since the break and, and ranked dead last in opponents' effective field goal percentage since the break. So it's a bit of a can you know continue to be right matchup for for Book considering what he's done and his last two trips to sleep train here thirty seven and a half points per game uh, four and a half assists a thirty five percent usage rate in nearly forty minutes per game. Look the Suns we talked about them maybe being content in their spot at, at fourth when they're playing the Lakers but. It's uh, it's getting down to the nitty gritty here. I mean, they've lost like, five of their last six, six of the last seven or so. Um, like they're going to have to really claw for a win here. We don't think they're going to get it, but I think Book's going to do everything in his power to keep them in it. I concur. Uh, let me start by apologizing to the good people of Golden One. It's the Golden One Center now in Sacramento. Right. Uh, Sleep Train is no longer able to sponsor them. Regardless, really nice arena, by the way, if you get a chance. And yeah, I expect Book to just do the same thing he tried to do against LA, which is make up for a lack of good players, depth. Uh, Mikael Bridges had 32 points tonight, just pointing that out. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's tough for, for anybody to really believe in the Suns when if you're relying on, you know, it's not like Booker and Paul just carried them before, you know, KD got there. There were a bunch of other guys that you'll remember that helped them get to the championship and, and, and be uh, a top seed in the West last year. And, you know, Book's still going to do everything and more. He's just going to go off. And it's one of these things where kind of like when you got to bet on Steph Curry, the, the season that he was playing without a bunch of people. And it was like, look, he's he might drop 50 tonight because he's going to pull 15 three-point attempts or 23-point attempts or whatever. And uh, Book's in the same booked uh, position tonight and uh you know th this this sack defense at home is just god awful we'll talk about it more in that uh in that game video about it but yeah they're they're porous all over the floor and everywhere that book's going to want to make some points tonight including three-point land so uh, i'm fine with taking book on on a pretty high prop still so uh now we're about to go back to back splash bros i'm just going to ruin it for everybody and say i'm going with clay thompson uh and i i said to to, to nate before we start recording like it feels like a clay thompson game and he's like why not both and i'm like yeah why not both uh playing against the 76ers team that just lets guards go to town on them and uh you know harden may or may not play i, I don't think it matters uh that much maxi's not going to do much in there either except for speed things up and allow for there to be more points and honestly like clay can shoot over over either of them even if he does get a, a bit 
attitude of like Tobias Harris, super slow footed Tobias Harris, uh, Tobias Harris. I'm, I'm fine with that as well. You know, uh, at, at this point, it's just a clay embodies this awful Warriors team on the road as much as he does this amazing Warriors team at home. Uh, he's averaging 25 a game at home and about 18 and a half on the road gets you over this 20 and a half points, which, by the way, is minus 105 on DraftKings. Very happy to be bringing that to you on Thursday night. So we can as that probably won't be remaining uh, by the time it gets to, you know, let's say Friday, you know, early, late at morning, early afternoon and people start hitting it a bit more. But um, he's he's at like five threes uh, at a 42 percent clip at home on the season, which is absurd. Even in his last 10 games, and and I made sure to get my stats on Clay's last 10 games at home when Steph was not there because Steph has missed a few home games in the last 10 that Clay's played there. So go all the way back to when he has make sure he's playing with Clay. He's still gone over this prop in eight of those 10 games. Uh, the, the games he failed to were those weird ones where they lost to the Mavs at home and uh, another loss that they had, I believe, like uh, the Raptors. That was a really weird game as well. Um, but he's still putting up 27, 28 and a half or 27 and a half points uh, a game in those with uh, Steph on a 29% usage, right? So like, it's not like Steph's taking any of his shots away necessarily. He's Still playing 35 minutes in the, in that time as well. People want to say he's slipping um, in terms of his like athleticism or whatever, but he's back to full strength and stamina and able to, to run those 35 minutes. Um, and, and even in those last 10, you know, pretty much the same numbers as he's had at home, four and a half, more than four and a half threes and a 40% clip. So it's going to be an opportunity for him to score against a team in the 76ers that has been scoring a ton of points on the road, but that hasn't necessarily translated to them being able to stop uh, people nearly as well. Yeah, the, there's definitely going to be a play for the over here, even though this, the Warriors have been so good on defense. I mean, as long as Embiid is ruled in, oh, yeah. uh, <clears throat> we're probably going to have a better idea of that by the time this airs tomorrow. Uh, I mean, he's questionable with, with what calf soreness. He's probably fine. He's probably going to put down another stamp on his MVP resume yeah. and keep this game close, which to me makes 20 points extremely low for Clay Thompson. Like, I don't see a world really where the Warriors are in a game deep into the fourth quarter and Clay isn't scoring 20 unless he's 100%. just like ice cold from three. I, it just in my initial evaluation of the Sixers backcourt and how you beat them, I think it is more guards off the dribble. The Warriors offense, yeah, point guard, shooting guard, doesn't matter what you classify them as, right? It's just free-flowing assist threes. And uh, that's why I like Steph as well. I mean, I mostly like, again, five threes is plus 125. Like, are we not expecting this to happen, DraftKings? Or are you just like like giving away money? Because that's what they're doing here with these free promos. And in the Boston area, uh, they are literally giving away money in the first 10 days of uh, sports betting. But uh, Steph, yeah, two home games since the return. 29.5 points on a 30% usage rate. Has hit 10 threes in those. Um, his last 10 against the Eastern Conference, averaging about 10 threes. About 31 points with a higher usage rate than against the West. 32%. Hasn't really gotten this matchup. I mean, certainly Philly's a different team uh, since he faced them in 2021. He was ice cold on the road against them, 3 for 14 from deep, but then hot at home, 6 for 11, 25 points. So he comes up short on the points here, 26 and a half. But that was a 20-point blowout because Joel Embiid was not playing. Uh, and Steph was a plus 29 in that game. Of course, the Warriors had Wiggins, and they were a much more cohesive team. Uh, or capable team of just running away from people. I'm not trusting them to run away from anybody. And I'm not, I mean, definitely not Philly. I mean, they won nine of their last 10 road games here. Um, Embiid is undeal wittable. And uh, I think as long as this one's close, both Splash Bros, you got to like uh, having their props on your side. 
Yeah, I agree. And and as soon as I see what uh, Joel's props are, by the way, I'm going to hit him. I, I expect him to play. Doc Rivers said he expects him to play. All the news coming out of, of you know, around that questionable tag was based on him coming out of the game at halftime while they were winning 76 to 48 against that Bulls team in that second game of a, of a back-to-back against them. So I, I don't think he's expected to miss time. They were like, why would we bring him out there at all? We can just say he has a sore calf and he'll be fine. Then you put the questionable tag on him, but he's, there's nobody on this team that can, that can deal with him. Not that he's deal wittable to your point, but like, man, does he love playing against someone who he can either bully you down to the basket or even if he has to, he'll just shoot right over you. Draymond, good luck. Like this is one of the two to three centers in the league that Draymond's never been able to guard, throw Jokic in there as well. Probably Anthony Davis, not really deal wittable by Draymond either. So it's a very short list of centers that are taller and bigger than him that he can't deal with. And, and this is just one of them um, in Joel. So, you know, probably excited to, to hit some of his props, even though it'll probably be like 33 and a half, uh, something around there. I would still say he's got to get 35 on a Friday night, making a case for his MVP, right? He's going to go balls to the wall. So I'll, I'll have fun betting on him as well. And now I'm going to take one that is a little bit risky, but I mean, it's so high for Chris Stapps. His points is at 28 and a half. That's his prop tonight. Um, and if you go under on that, you get minus 105 on DraftKings. This is just an excuse for us to talk about who the man who will be doing some of the guarding against him on the San Antonio Spurs. Sandro Mamu Kalashvili nailed it on the first try. Give the man some respect, man. I mean, he's played 27 minutes in the last four games. Mamu Kalashvili needs some respect. He didn't come all the way to the NBA like this uh, to be told that he's going to let up 29 points to Chris Stapps, who has only done that once in his last nine games at home. Um, and I gave him the benefit of the doubt because he scores more at home than he does on the road by a, by just a tick. Um, and Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma are out. So that's why this, this prop is so high. The Spurs are the Spurs. I don't want to say they suck because I won't disrespect Mamu Kalashvili like that, but I, they're not great down low. and They allow a lot of points in the paint as well, um, which Chris Epps might be able to do. They're a little bit better against the three. They've been better too, by the way, in their last four games since Mamu Kalashvili started getting some actual minutes in there at 27 or so a game. Uh, and their defensive rating has gone down from like 119 to 116.8. Um, and that's good for 17th in the league, very close to top half. Uh, and then they're 18th-ish ranked in a bunch of other defensive categories that matter. They're getting rebounds um, and they're limiting second chance points because of that. So it's just too high, man. Like Mamu Kalashvili is going to be able to get in there at 27 minutes a game. Uh, you're going to get some, you know, Diaz, Bates Diop in there as well. But like, it's just too many points in a game that who cares about this game? The Wizards don't seem to care. They're not even playing their best players. Wizards are like 28th in offensive rating in their last seven games too. So like, yeah, I mean, Who's setting up Porzingis? Like, what, what, what kind of uh, electric offense are we seeing here to go through the brick wall that is Sandro Mamukulashkivi uh, grew up pounding rocks in eastern um, Turkey? I, I honestly don't know anything about the guy, but their defense has been better since he got in there. Um, I mean, maybe the second coming of Jakob Pertl for them. Uh, but, yeah, you never know with the Spurs when they're actually going to try to. Um, and Kelvin Johnson's ruled in, so that's a sign that there, this could be a competitive game. But if it's not a competitive game, uh, then how is Chris Stapps going to get this if it's a blowout? You know, yeah. So, I, I mean, it's just way too high, like you're saying. Uh, I'm not trusting Chris Stapps Porzingis to get 29 points in any matchup right now. Agreed. And, and one quick aside, 
once as we pivot away from Mamu Kalashvili. Did you see that it was a 20 and a half point spread for the Spurs against the Bucks the other day? And I believe they covered, which is wild. So I, yeah, the blowout could happen at any moment against anybody for the Spurs team. I, I think that if you look at who's going to be playing for Washington, like they're not even going to be good enough to to necessarily blow out this team, but like maybe double digits by the fourth. And to be honest, like why would you play Chris Stapps more than like 32-ish minutes in a game that you don't really care about? And to be honest, you might as well try to get out of the play in right now. Washington's a terrible scenario. I do not envy uh, that team right now. But at any rate, that is all the time we have for you in our player props today. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Also check out the game videos we have for you on this big slate to end the work week. And until we see you next, happy betting.